everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not running, reading, riding, writing, I'm recording this podcast. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach, and you are here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we look at all different types of sports and movements. We maybe try a few of those movements out, or at least try and learn something from these different experts, athletes, and doers of these sports that we can pull back into our own lives and you know, just make them better. So, all right, all right, like a seven out of ten. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so today is Q and A. We got a bunch of actually really early. It was like the day of our last Q and A. We had people submitting, so that's so either great. we do not answer questions very well, or we answer questions really well. I think it was just maybe people saw, but maybe missed. So these maybe are like leftover, even or or like late late entries is okay. probably the better okay. way to put this I like that. Uh, we got a couple here recently uh and then sometimes i add in a couple from clients and stuff too that maybe we think uh might might the listeners might like uh mm-hmm. so yeah so thank you to everyone uh well before we dive in it's it's almost thanksgiving this is going to come out just a couple this of days american before. thanksgiving yeah american yes. thanksgiving so peter i'm very thankful for you Oh, that's a little, sh- what is that, schmoopy? Schmoopy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what, I, I guess I'm thankful. I was thinking about this recently. I mean, I guess I have to say it. I'm thankful for you or else it's rude now. But, it's true. Um, yeah. You know, it's been, there's a lot of, I was actually thinking about this, like people name their bikes. This is completely tangential. And I love it. I love it. Random. Um, and, and thinking about like naming bikes for some reason, I was like, I don't really name bikes, but I definitely like can think of things I did and place like big adventures I went on with specific bikes. And I was like, I'm thankful for bikes. Number one. I mean, yeah, me too. But yeah, just like some of the stuff, right? Like I have this one, it's a Crockett made by track bicycles. That was not an ad. And I have had some really good adventures. I've ridden with Ellen Noble I've ridden with Emily Batty on this bicycle. I've ridden with, who else have I ridden with on this bicycle? I mean, I was going to point out your your white Crockett from Oh, that one was a legend. That one's like some sort of like white stallion that like rode off into the mist. Like a, yeah. it lasted forever. But B, I was, I was hoping you would maybe recall. Oh, I met you? Yeah. There's well, like the stallion. We rode off into the mist and then we <laughs> lost it. Fell apart eventually, but yeah. yeah. So anyhow, I'm thankful for bikes, but that's sort of completely random and tangential and gets off the schmoopiness maybe. No, I like it. Back into it. Uh, What else? What else are you up to? You're writing books every day. Writing books every day. Uh, Yeah, the the Athlete's Guide to Sponsorship, I put it out a few weeks ago. It's actually been doing really well. I've heard back from a few early readers already. um, Of all types. There's the young readers. There's the like people more in the industry readers. Yeah, and people are really stoked on it. It's been, you know, very exciting, and I'm glad it's it's been helpful for some people. Um, yeah, so if anyone is a parent of, a coach of, a teammate of, an athlete who's, you know, looking to up their sponsorship game, figure out how to get on a team, figure out how to, you know, talk to sponsors, or uh, frankly, I'm going to throw this one out there for parents of, like, teenage and preteen kids – uh, there's a lot in there as far as uh, writing good emails and putting together a coherent race resume, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a little bit on uh, how to not be a jerk in host housing. So, uh, you know, if you maybe want to get that to nudge your kid to pick up after him or herself, uh, you know, put together more coherent emails, etc., then it's kind of a sneaky way into a guide for life, I'm going to say. 
Yeah, it all relates, I guess, right? There is also a lot of content that's totally good for adults as well. This is not to say that it's just a guide for kids, but I think I will argue that younger audience will get the most the younger audience has to be the ones looking for sponsorship but not exclusively there's lots of us who are trying to do different big events of some type right masters worlds or going to something or charity rides even would be applicable Mm -hmm. yeah frankly this this book honestly helped me a lot even just kind of putting it together because it reminded me of a lot of stuff as Mm -hmm. i've been you know working through my own career Uh, well and things like host housing too right like may apply yeah exactly. universally yeah uh, anyway you can find out more about that we'll put a link in the show notes or head over to the outdoor edit.com for you know all of the details okay so yeah that's that's what's up with me i also over on the outdoor edit i'm doing a bunch of my traditional gift guides so this. it's yeah we're getting with thanksgiving there's black friday mm-hmm. kind of the kickoff never to used to be a thing but I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe. Always been a thing. Yeah. I don't know if Canada ever, well, I, I mean, because we don't have the Thanksgiving yeah. to kick it off, right? That was I, your anchor. I mean, the town we live in just did the holiday shopping kickoff this past weekend. So Canada's even crazier with the what early town? start. Collingwood. They did a Black Friday kickoff? Well, not Black Friday, but they did like shopping kickoff was this Saturday. That was a thing? Yeah. That oh. was a thing. It was on the town calendar. God, I missed it. Yeah. Okay, anyway. well, you did some gift guides so people yeah. can get their outdoorsy Yeah, gifts. I have all kinds of, like, I have several articles on different different types of, uh, you know, runners, cyclists, outdoorsy types, etc. This year, I tried to really stay away from clothing and anything that needed to be sized, uh, just because, you know, that's a really, really hard thing to actually pick the right size for someone. If it's a gift. Yeah. Like, if you're not secretly reading the gift guide to get yourself things. Which is what I tend to do. Right. But yeah, this year I tried to keep it si- like just nothing that needs to be sized. So yeah, excited about those. So check them out. And Peter, what about you? What's what's new? Uh, don't know. Been doing some phone calls. You know, people are sort of curious. What do we do this time of year? You know, how do I get ready for this event in 2020? This type of stuff. So those are fun calls, you know, just learning about where people are at and what what they're up to and then sort of helping them maybe put together a plan, at least verbally, or maybe they're getting, you know, three month plan or something like that as well. So it's definitely the season and, and increasingly as we get towards January, it's getting to, I don't, I don't know what crunch time, but you're definitely getting into that, that period where the months are starting to count down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean this, this time last year is when I started working with my coach and I, I think it was the best time because the pressure was sort of off yeah. as far as like, we're not in like, holy crap, it's only three months till my goal race. It was like, okay, we have like nine months till my goal race, which you know, give us a lot of lead time to kind of get used to each other, figure out a rhythm, do all that kind of stuff, whether you're looking for regular coaching or like Peter does three month plans for people all the time. And I mean, if you're nine months out from your race, like, yeah, lots of people will do like three, like I have a few clients that just basically get them maybe not every month of the year, like they maybe take a month here or a month there, like Mm -hmm. the one person takes like a July or something as family vacation, and then maybe October after mountain bike season. Um, but yeah, it can work really well for some people, but definitely to your point, the, it's, it's almost like base, right? Like when we talk about base, sometimes that's like just associated with long, slow distance or endurance training, but like, there's just, you need to have this, you need to be a runner and then you can train to do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and whatever the event is, you can sort of like build, you can do your build phase, your race specific phase. You could 
often I'll talk general preparation and then there's specific, right? Or we I've mentioned many times the Dan John, like they have park bench workouts where you're just getting the workouts in and you're showing up every day. And then eventually you'll go to bus bench workouts where you're concerned about times. When's the bus showing up? Right, right. Right. So there's all those, there's three different ways you can think about your, your season, but there's training going on mm-hmm. essentially year round, right? Yeah. I, I love the money in the bank, hay in the barn, all that stuff throughout well, the winter. There's two more for yep, you. Yep. Perfect. Throwing cliches all over the place. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, everyone's getting ready and we're doing, you know, trying to plan ahead for uh, holidays is a big thing. You know, people have different, some people can train more, some people train less. So trying to just, you know, get everyone. So we have a plan, right? And that's sort of the challenge that this time of year is, you know, you might have a big disruption. So if we just took all of this time off, then now you've got you know, two or three months without much training. So some people will try and get a good block in, mm-hmm. try something maybe a little different. Whereas other people, you know, maybe they're off school because they're going to school or teachers maybe or don't do much for for Christmas holidays. So they might actually be gearing up, just putting in the time base training, so to speak, or preparatory so that they could do, they're prepared to do like a crusher, like Christmas right. training block. Now, out of curiosity... How many of your clients or people that you've talked to say that they can put in a big Christmas or holiday training block and then the holidays come around and suddenly tons of stuff comes up? Because that's, I think, one thing that I always find is like true for me personally is like in my head, I'm always like, yeah, Christmas to January, nothing is, you know, not a lot is due. It's a pretty like off time. I'm home. It's great. It's easy. Uh, And then just you know, between family stuff, friends stuff. And, you know, for us, actually, the work stuff does end up kind of honestly kicking my ass because there's all the New Year's resolution articles that come due very late in the game. Like, oh, crap, we need to write these. Right. Uh, There's, you know, the past few years, we've had Christmas Cross that I'm doing a lot of coverage for, uh, all that kind of stuff. And suddenly that chunk of time that I thought I'd have, I don't. Yeah, I think people are generally fairly good i don't know that i have a lot of people that are saying 21 hour weeks and then realizing that they have zero days to train okay, so it's just me then All yeah right. <laughs> I, I mean i think i tend to be very cautious with that stuff and i think a lot of it comes back to we always go with like you just that like survival camp or that like huge spike in training load is just not a good long-term strategy ever so that's why i'm saying like october november we're preparing we're do, laying that foundation, that framework so that we can do that training camp, so to right. speak. Um, whereas other people, we might be doing a bit of a like little harder push now, November, so that in December, you know, you can take a little more time off maybe, right, to recover. Mm-hmm. But it's all, it's so tough, right, because there's so much uh, like a psychosocial holidays that, you know, aren't always like joyful you know, watching Hallmark movies, some people find it really stressful, right? And they're planning big parties and traveling. And mm-hmm. so you, you need to be careful, right? That it's, you may even have time, but you might need that time. Yeah, for sure. You know, make sure that you're taking care of, you know, that base of health. Yeah, totally. All right, cool. Let's let's get into the next question here. Sure. Uh, so it's a follow-up from our last Q&A when we talked about some trainer time tips and tricks and our, you know, general thoughts on like, do you know should you get zwift should you not get zwift yeah and the question the question was like not getting bored i guess was like a large like how do you occupy yourself yeah like what are some ideas so 
Uh, so that I, was last week or last last Q and A. So yes. this follow up question is, what should a week on the trainer look like? Like what might it look like? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it could look like a lot of different things, right? Like everyone's different with the tools they have and want to use, and you know, some people cross train, some people go to the gym. So. You know, as an example, it might be something like Monday is like a yoga core day. You know, generally Monday's an off day for a lot of people. It doesn't have to be. And certainly if your weekends are, you know, busy with family or, or you just want a weekend day off, lots of people take Sundays off too. And that's that's great. Tell you what, changing to Saturdays off was actually like the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people really like it and there's nothing, no major reason you can't do that, right? It's just the way... You know, it sort of assumes that people are have this resume work on Monday, but some people like to train like that, right? So that's an aside. But uh, then Tuesday, we could go, you know, s- sort of spin-ups, which is sort of just pedaling quickly for 30 seconds. So you might gradually over 30 seconds build up to like a really high RPM. Um, and that could be done, you know, every five minutes for an hour. So you get 12 of them in uh, and that would, you know, you block out every five minutes and I like to encourage people using their lap function on their bike computer so that you're only staring at like four minutes and 30 seconds and you press lap and do your 30 second effort and then you know so those time periods it sounds really odd but if you don't have to stare at zero you know five minutes four minutes when you know you have 60 sort of just chunk it up like that uh, so that could be something on Tuesday. So a coordination sort of a little short thing. And then Wednesday you might cross train or do some endurance, like a longer ride. Maybe you get together with a friend, which we talked about last week. Um, that could be something like a free ride on Zwift or, or one of those t- services for sure, if you want. And then Thursday could be more of like a strength, maybe a bit of tempo or interval type day. So maybe you do like three by 10, just at a moderate pace, nice, smooth hour workout. You warm up. 10 minutes on, two minutes off, 10 minutes on, two minutes off, 10 minutes on, cool down, nice smooth hour workout. Friday could be sort of a a core yoga off day again. Saturday, you know, could be a little harder. Maybe that's like Zwift race day or maybe that's like an interval day. You know, you can sort of do that full maybe race breakfast and then have that's your like big focus day for the week, whatever that is, depending on the phase of of the, the year you're in, the focus you're giving it. And then Sunday, I would love to see a lot of people out, you know, they could be fat biking, it could be cross country skiing, it could be a hike, a run, um, variety of different things, right? That could, and uh, the other thing I try and encourage people is that combination of, you know, maybe you have to ride the trainer for a bit, but then maybe you can go hike, you know, jump in the car, get to the trail, go hike for an hour or two. Uh, and that can be a great sort of low gear buildup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the only thing I miss too is, you know, that Thursday workout or even any of these workouts, really, you could interact. Like a lot of times we get stuck on the bike, but there's no major reason, especially if you're an off-road mountain biker, cycle crosser, uh, there's no reason you couldn't hop off the bike and do core strength, you know, something that could be a full set. It could be just one quick, like five burpees, jump back on, um, especially if you use mountain bike shoes, but you can take your shoes off if you need to. And that sort of like on and off, I think is just, especially for off-road cycles, but for anyone in that early phase of the year, I think is just so good, especially if you don't have access to like a full body cross country skiing. Um, I, I think there's a lot of bang for your buck and it passes the time. Like you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. like a 90 minute workout doing those little core sets every 10 minutes on the bike, you know, five minutes off, no problem. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, Kind of tangential to this question, any don'ts for someone who's riding the trainer pretty exclusively? 
just don't do the same thing every day um, and, and don't go hard. Like you just, I don't think people believe that you can, that like go easy to, you know, or go slow to go fast that like, you know, sort of cliched, like, yes, you're time crunched, but you still can't train hard every day mm-hmm. and, and it's okay to sit there and listen to a podcast or work on your coordination or do the core thing I was talking about or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Watch a movie like we used yeah. to watch. We you talked about flow, you know, watch the latest cyclocross race for an hour. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. You'll be okay. I think know. my only don't, I guess, reminder is, you know, I was really guilty of this, like st- straight up, like sitting up, like hands off the uh, bars, just kind of like reading a book or like, you know, doing basically doing something else on the trainer. I think, yeah, the distraction piece gets tough, right? The I, I think if you can't practice this, this would be like playing baseball or football and just like not doing the actual thing, right? Like I think. Yeah, it's, it's very tough. If you can't funny, hold the position. This, the trainer is really the only thing I can think of where you can get away with this. Like, because mm-hmm. you can't do it on a treadmill. Like on a treadmill, I would. OK, I, I tried this on a treadmill last week. Cannot use my phone on the treadmill, it turns out. Really? Not very well. Hmm. Like not not you running focus. Yeah. at like, you know, 820 mile pace. Like, no, I can't do that. Yeah, it's sort of the reason I like rollers. And I mean, it might be the argument for something like Zwift where you're like engaged and actually pedaling. Um, one of my clients said, and I've heard this from a few different people. Uh, he, I guess there's like a, a mountain bike you can get on a trail and it like changes the gradient and it, hmm. it, apparently it feels like actually pretty cool and it's it's hard but so is mountain biking uh and he said he just like time just like disappeared yeah so it, it is like interesting the like visual some people get really into the same as like video games like people could wake like sort of wake up so to speak and be having played video games you know in flow state for five hours right yeah so there there is something there for sure okay, um, so that was all just to say just you know. be careful. Yeah. Cause I think either there is like a bit of positional, there is like, what are you doing sitting on the bike? If you're not pedaling at any sort of resistance, like work on position, work on engaging with your bike. Um, just be on the trainer when you're on the trainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I always say like, just do an hour, do 30 minutes, whatever you can do with like a bit of focus, right. And maintain position and, and that sort of stuff. Like if you find you have to sit up or, or something, then, you know, it's one thing to like grab your phone for like 10 seconds or like 30 seconds. Or sure. Whatever. Like, sure. I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah. We all have lots going on for sure. Like ideally you can get some focus time for your intervals or whatever. But yeah, I mean, when I'm doing in, in some, when we're preparing for something in Canadian winter and we know we're going to like a camp in California, I'll do three and four hour rides, which remind me about that. Cause that's the other don't. Um, <laughs> like I, I will check my email periodically, sure, right? but yeah. it's like, I try and use that as like, again, it's all this is little motivators, right? Like I know in five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm going to do a spin up, right? Or in 20 minutes, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll eat that bar I have that I'm mm-hmm. going to have, or, you know, you're just sort of like blocking yourself through same as you do outside when it's a six hour ride and you're like, okay, I just need to get to the hour. And then, Ooh, I have another don't that okay. I just remembered from my, my long run on the treadmill this week is, uh, don't not eat, which I realize is a double negative, 100%. but that's a huge, like eat oh, and yeah. drink. There's so I, many don'ts. Oh my God. It's yeah. the best. Uh, I was, you know, I had a 14 mile run. I did pretty, I did it on the treadmill and I'll be honest. I compl- I drank, you know, a bottle of water, but I did not eat. And I afterwards I'm like, why did I feel like crap at the end? I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. That's such a, that's a whole other 
topic that we've talked a little bit about, right? But you, just because you can and because you can survive doesn't mean that there isn't consequence immediately after and then in the week after, right? And for some reason, just being inside, like I would always eat on a 14 mile run outside, but for some reason being inside, it yeah. just didn't even occur to me. Yeah. So the fueling is like, I think it's not a lot different indoors, but if it's a hard ride, if you care about the results or if it's getting long, so I would say longer than 60 is sort of the rule, but like a 60 to 90, like if it's long ish, you know, it's getting to where we're potentially depleting, then it's, you got to eat. And like the kitchen's not that far away usually, right? Like go get a couple orange slices. I think that was my like actual problem was I knew the kitchen was right there. So I was like, as soon as I get done, I'm going to eat. Yeah. So the hydration and then the cooling was what tangentially was related to that. So like people will never have big enough fans and enough cooling. It's hard because we keep our houses fairly comfortable. So if you're like in the living room, you know, in the house, you got to try and get it cool, right? Like I, I always use sort of the thing, the analogy or the, the rule that if you need a, a, a towel, you need to try and figure out better cooling. Like if you're really like slugging it out there, TTing, you might need to wipe your face. But when you're outside, you don't need a towel to wipe your face. So we need to try and replicate this indoors as best we can. So mm -hmm. the fans are big. If you can open a window, if you can have it in the garage, whatever you need to do, right? Um, you can definitely start like uh, your parents' house. Um, all these parents have a, a breezeway is what you call it. But like it's near, basically in the garage. And it's very cold when it's cold outside, but I'll just go out in my winter jacket and maybe some knee warmers even or something, a hat, and you start really, really cold and then you slowly warm up and you're steaming away and it's fine. It's Literally great. steaming Yeah. Away. And in that setting, I don't think I ever even really used a fan because it was just negative five Celsius. I don't know what that is. And what is that? Cold. 30s, 25s. Uh, all that to say, so cooling and my last one was, oh, 90 minutes is probably the longest most people ever need to ride indoors. You can certainly go outdoors for a bit and then come indoors and ride 90 minutes or cross train. But I think conserving the depletion you're talking about as far as just sweating everything out, motivational, especially early in the season, like if you're not building towards like a camp where you're going to be, you know, butt in seat for a long time, most people don't need to do that. Just train more frequently, I think, but this relates to that sitting up, the duration, that sort of yeah. stuff. So lots of indoor stuff. Thank you for the follow-up. All right, awesome. Next question. So this is from someone who you've worked with for a really long time, and he's just asking. He's, Athlete and coach, yep. Okay, so he's, he's just saying he wants us to kind of talk through a concept that you actually used to mention, uh, this idea of staying in good shape all the time and then turning on VO train or VO2 training for three to four weeks leading into a goal event. Yeah. And this was sort of specific to a thing, but like by that, he means just sort of like building or like tapering down, sort of like making it specific before an event. Um, yeah. So I really liked this question and I kind of grabbed it because to me, it even though this is something you talked about a long time ago it's sort of heading towards the consummate athlete ide ideology we'll say sure almost before we'd ever even thought of it we had this idea that you could you you know be sort of we wanted to be ready to go and do sort of jump into things you know in this and this is a this is crossfit is similar right like you're sort of prepared for anything and and, and it's almost you can't be. It's impossible to be ready for everything, but you can be pretty well. <laughs> I.e. watch the CrossFitters doing the cyclocross course. They did get through, though. Um, and so there's always that. Like, it's not elite in anything if you're a generalist, but we can be generally prepared. And in, in this sense, we're 
generally prepared for a off-road cycling, generally longer duration for this athlete. Um, you know, somewhere in that, like there's no sprint events. It's all pretty aerobic. It's all generally mountain cross, uh, no, just all mountain bike or fat bike, I think. So we're getting pretty narrow in what we're actually getting ready for. So the general training can incorporate cross training and strength training and, and probably should. Um, but I think the overarching question then is, is sort of similar to this idea of base preparation. What do we do in the fall, late, early winter type thing, right? Like what do we do when the events Leadville and we're, what are we, nine months out yeah. from like an August event? Like, yep. So I think that's a question. And I think for a lot of working people, you know, adults, non-pros, you know, I, I you just got to keep training, right? And you can keep changing the focus. Um, but it, it's not quite the same as doing like a traditional, what we might call like linear periodization. Um, cause most linear periodization would kind of rely on being able to drop hours significantly, but then also like up hours significantly. Right. Right. And most people, especially have, the, the, the up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But most people aren't going to gain 20 hours a week going into Leadville. They're always going to have around 10 hours a week. Yeah. And once you add Northern, like just weather, like no one's riding gravel roads in maybe Canada, but we'll say like, it's just very hard to access that. And the temperatures, like you're, you're, the specificity just drops right out. Um, so it, by definition, you're doing general preparation, right? So I, th I think all that's to say is, you know, what's wrapped up in this is you might do some intensity year round, right? And we've talked lots about this. I mentioned tempo. I mentioned some 30 seconds sort of, you do tons of strides. I was going to say, yeah, my, my coach, David um, Roche, Which David was, strides. David Roche was on the podcast and talked about his strides with running and you, that's pretty much year round. And yeah. And strides are actually how I met him because I was working on an article about what the heck are strides and why do I need them? Yeah, so we're really talking about the difference between sort of a linear versus non-linear periodization uh, is maybe how you could do that or, or sort of traditional periodization. Um, and, and a couple of resources you could look at is, I mean, Joe Friel has lots of stuff that's the, I always say like a classic sort of Joe Friel periodization, which is base build stuff. Um, but he's also got Fast After 50, which is intensity a lot of the year. Um, there's also the Time Crunch Cyclist, which we had Jim, Jim Rutberg, Rutberg yeah. on. Uh, and that's very big on this idea of sort of like year round intensity using intensity because you don't have enough time. They've also added nutrition considerations for the masters and the time crunched as well, which I think was a great addition to the, the more recent edition. Uh, I mean, this is just like the more realistic thing for most of us. And I think arguably like the healthier, like longevity perspective is, mm -hmm. you know, staying in quote unquote good shape year round instead of any kind of like huge up, down, up, down. Yeah. And I think like where I, I've always come down on is we're just always thinking about, we might change the focus, right? So we finished a race season. You, you still might take some time off. We're not not taking time off. We still might lose fitness. We might not be as race prepared in the two months after our big race, but it doesn't mean we can't take time off and then start working on our strides again, our accelerations again, our starts, you know, just doing shorter intensity. And this is when you start looking like a lot of the stuff, when you compare, you know, we, we have this idea of what traditional periodization, we all think huge volume. But if you look at the Joe Frill book, like there's sprints and like, uh, he calls it force, like a force wrap and different types of force that he includes, you know, and essentially we're talking about strides, you know, 
it, it's all sort of similar, right? And, and that's included. And then you get into your, your tempo and stuff, right? So in the same sense, we can be doing a lot of this stuff. And so it's more thinking like, what do I have in front of me? What am I motivated to do? What do I need to do? Like, what is a limiter? You know, do I need, what do I need to shore up? So I haven't done a lot of endurance or tempo. So I've been sprinkling in a bit just of tempo recently. And tempo is nice because it keeps you warm out when I'm climbing uh, around here in the, the snowy conditions. Um, you know, and it's not quite as dangerous as trying to do VO2, you know, intervals or something, right? But if you get on the trainer, then maybe some of that stuff's convenient, right? And you can sort of use the trainer to its best, um, you know, application, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's some focus on that. So I think I'll just say, like, there's a general preparation period and you don't need to, like, drive super hard on, like, a super specific race period for sure. Um, so I don't know if that's generally useful or not, but... Maybe relates good, to our base early base yeah good concept all right next question that i am really freaking excited about actually um so this is an event that i am now just like where is this and can i do it immediately i'm pretty sure she's talking about the land run does i think that's what i it think is. that's right but i think it sounds amazing so it's a 50 kilometer run on the first day and then a hundred mile gravel race the next day in march um, I will admit the in March part, I'm like, ugh, maybe not. Because it's usually still pretty cold in March. Kind of almost no matter where you are in the U.S., there are very few places where March weather is consistently going to be amazing. And I know this one is not in Southern California. Right. So it's going to be cold. Uh, anyway, her question is talking about nutrition um, after the 50K run. So not talking about nutrition pre-run or during the run necessarily. Mm. Uh, just what to do after the run that's going to set her up for the 100 miler the next day um, on the gravel bike. Uh, and then uh, she's also talking about uh, whether, you know, during, so actually also during the event, she's wondering about rehydration post-race, a little bit during, um, and can she have a post-race beer, which very important questions. Actually, I'll, I'll link to the Canadian Cycling Podcast because we did, they asked me this question specific to cyclocross. The post-race beer? Yeah, and then also because there's a double race weekend. Right. That we talked about this. So it essentially, I'll give you the link to the episode in the, the show notes. Okay, so let's start with the bummer. Uh, I mean, it's it it's not necessarily useful, but I mean, you've burned a ton of calories, so it doesn't really matter that much. But there is like, will this affect sleep? You know, will you digest it? Um, so there, there is that. So we're, we're starting with the beer question, I guess, but the... Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal as long as you take care of everything else, right? And it just some people just can't eat and drink that much stuff. So you got to make sure you take care of the everything else. Yeah, which we'll get to in a sec. The other caveat about beer, too, is if you're not used to drinking after a race or like you don't, if you don't drink regularly, this is not the time to start, I'll say. I, I would say so the, on the King's Second podcast, I'm like, like, it always depends on the goals. Like if you're just out and this is a big adventure it sounds like it'll be crazy um you know maybe that doesn't matter but if it's if the question is like i am intending to win or set a personal best or have goals then it's just like no like there's just no there's no upside right Right. aside from the social thing which is fine if that's the upside we're going for so yeah that was my sort of thing so Let's let's go with the the post race though. I think you mentioned you know this might be a great application. We have a sort of t- compressed time window. We have to get in a you know a fair number of calories likely. Stomach may be a bit off. 
So this is where a, a good application of a recovery potion of some type. Yeah, exactly. Like normally I don't really go for quote unquote recovery beverages. I favor like a straight up whey protein and then I'll add the carbs myself like by way of whatever I'm in the mood to eat. Um, but a more traditional, you know, recovery drink from goo or hammer or whoever is going to have carbohydrate in addition to protein just mm -hmm. mixed together. Uh, and this is one of the times where I would say, do that, do two servings of that if you can, like get that. Yeah, in. or divide them out, right? Like there's not a huge reason you couldn't do, you know, one pretty soon and then one, you know, the next hour, especially if you're not able to eat a meal, like mm -hmm. practically or just, you know, your digestive wise, if, if that does seem like it'll go down and that could be, there's again, products like Boost and Insure, sometimes those are the only thing people can get down. Um, smoothies, you know, if, if that just seems like it would be hard to get, uh, especially if you're traveling to the race, but I'm a big fan similar of milkshakes in this case, I guess. Sure. That would work. That's potentially got milk in it and some sugar. So that's great. I mean, I, if it's cold out, I don't know that milkshake, you may be more on the, I think goo, hot chocolate. goo makes a hot chocolate recovery thing. I think scratch makes a hot apple cider. I think goo makes hot chocolate Yeah. or just have a straight up hot chocolate. So I think that's, that's good. And then I think it's just whatever you can eat, right? Like, I, I don't think this is rocket science. I think it's, you just don't, same rules as probably, like the bike is going to be more forgiving as far as what, you know, you can sort of have the, the, the night before and not have. So you've had this run already. Yeah. You Luckily the hard gut part is over. Um, but I still would probably keep my vegetables to a minimum at that point. Well, that's what I, yeah. yeah. You want to focus on getting it in short window. There's only going to be so much in. And then try and get up and just make sure you start fueling early in the bike. And your focus would be on carbs and protein the night before. Like, don't avoid fat, but... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just to make sure you get in the, f the fuel, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And yeah, luckily on the bike, you know, once you're on the bike, you can basically start fueling, you know, minute one and pretty much just keep going on that I'm trying to think of other things like i think having something ready you know for that finish line because she mentions you know it's going to be later in the day when you finish the 50k so yeah. there's a compressed window is what's sort of complicating this already complicated yeah, double exactly. so having something so that you know maybe there's something else that presents itself but having a plan is usually like helpful and, yeah. and, and hopefully this recovery drink you've tried because i assume you're going to try some back-to-back -back we've got till march back-to-back -back run bikes right because this is the other thing is like i can tell you a million different things but you're going to be like oh no i always have bacon when i finish and then a bacon all day on the bike or something it's like okay like if that if you've practiced that then that's 100 percent fine if that's you've you've proven this but we can't try that especially in something like this where you're stressing digestion and mm -hmm. your body a lot so making sure that you're doing some back-to-back -back. and these could be bricks these could be run you know right onto the bike on a saturday or something it would be fun and passes the time that's basically what we were talking about previously um, but then certainly that like run a longer run harder run or whatever on saturday ride on sunday try that recovery fuel saturday mm -hmm. and see like oh this tastes horrible oh i vomited instantly oh i felt amazing you know and yeah. go from there or then you know sunday i felt fine i slept well and it it shouldn't be a mystery when you get there right there's a little bit of race stress but the more we can game play on and off bike and off foot mm -hmm. 
I don't know if there's anything else there. I think the the other thing I'll add is actually during the run, um, this is where, especially like in March, where it's cooler, your tendency is going to be to drink a little less and right. potentially, especially if you drink your calories, then you're potentially getting in less calories. Mm. So I think it's just a really important thing to remember that even if you don't necessarily feel as thirsty as you would during you know a summer 50K, maybe you can get away with drinking a little less in the run as far as your run time goes. Sure, you could get away with that. But if you're thinking through till the next day, yes. you want to really make sure you are drinking enough and eating enough during the run. It's not the day to go a little light on the water because it's cooler or go a little light on the calories. That's a good point. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. And that's a delicate balance with the run. But I think that's a, a good point. You're almost fueling as if like it's not a 50 miler. Or is it 50 miler? 50 K. So you're fueling it not like a 50 K, but you're fueling it almost like you would maybe even, you know, in, in the first 50 K of a hundred miler. Exactly. Where you know there's more to come. So if you deplete yourself in the first 50k you know the last this is random math but 110k are going to be tough right because it's harder and harder and harder as the weekend goes on Mm -hmm. to keep it in so we're trying to keep you closer to good before you deplete everything right Mm -hmm. and we want to deplete everything late on sunday and the bike yeah and this is a weird thing that i've learned personally is the lower i go on drinking and eating during a run actually the less hungry i am afterwards which sounds really counterintuitive but i think it's because you kind of jack up your stomach so much because you're in this like state of depletion this is totally me making up why it happens but i've, I've noticed this about myself um, if i've depleted a lot during a run then i'm less hungry afterwards uh, which means it's harder for me to refuel like it's actually physically difficult for me to want to eat anything sure. afterwards um, so if you're not fueling enough in the run, it's going to be even harder to fuel after. It's rare that you finish and you're like, I'm starving because for some, like, you've done a lot of damage to your body in 50 kilometers. Like right. you've you've put a lot of wear and tear on, and you're probably not going to just like put your head into a pizza and be able to finish it. So right, importance of fueling during your run. Yeah, so practice it and uh, stick to that plan and keep it coming in throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want any personalized suggestions, hit me up because I have been there and done that as far as every mistake you can make when it comes to fueling a 50K. Well, and definitely something you could check in with a sport nutritionist too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. And last question. I love this. How to fall better. Yeah. Yeah. This was an interesting one. So it's interesting because a lot of times people are like, they don't want to fall. So they like come back to like either avoiding things or maybe looking at skill, you know, progressions and how to avoid falling. Um, So I think there is something to practicing falling. Definitely the people that have had some experience, you know, whether it's martial arts or being young. Gymnastics. Gymnastics, tumbling, wrestling, time on a mat, you know, just so I think if you can get exposure to any of that stuff. Um, I'm thinking one client's actually going to try some BJJ over the this early base. It's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for those who don't like listen to the Paleo Solution podcast. People know BJJ. This is the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Mm. And yeah, so so anything where you're tumbling is going to be helpful, I think. There's adult gymnastics. There's, you know, you can certainly go and get instruction with a lot of this. Judo is a classic one. We had Greg Lehman on and he talked about adult gymnastics tumbling. a while back. Yep. Yeah, he's been flipping uh old man tumbling i think he calls that Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so that was backflips and back pain or something was that podcast. That's a good one to go back to actually. Greg's funny. So how do we fall though? I, I think on the bike, there's a few things. I think, I think we do want to come back. Yes, we can practice falling. Uh, you mentioned fat bike snow. If you have access to snow, this is a, a positive of winter is you could definitely go and like flip into snow banks and, you know, deep fields and stuff and just practice endos and getting your feet out, you know, tumbling, tucking now, and rolling. Yeah. I was going to say when we practice though, what are we trying to avoid? Cause I know like some of the main mistakes. Outstretched arm is yeah, a big one. Exactly. Yep. yep. Uh, and I mean, you're just trying to protect your head, right? Yeah. And for those who are clipping into a bicycle, um, you know, the, the not on clipping, but then falling to the side with outstretched arm is like a classic, like arm, shoulder, collarbone. Right. Yeah. So it, it's sometimes it's just like hands on the wheel. Not that that's always the best situation, but, um, you know, and, and just on clipping. So a lot of people get really good at the outrigger, which is, you know, cycle cross, putting a foot out. What do they call it to the tripod? Yep. So practicing getting your feet out, if you're on the indoor trainer and you're trying to kill time, you know what you could do for every minute on the minute, you could, or every minute, every five minutes on the minute or every 10 minutes, you take a foot out, pedal for 30 seconds, clip it back in without stopping pedaling, unclip the other one, pedal for Mm -hmm. 30 seconds. You know what you're practicing? Not one-legged pedaling. You're practicing unclipping and clipping back out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you just need to get really good at that. So some people find going back to flat pedals helps. And if you're terrified of falling, a few clients who have just cold turkey that's all they do now they race they do whatever and that's fine right on the east coast this is very rare to see people go to flat pedals but this is a good way to stop staying clipped in and having horrible falls right yeah um a lot of younger people when they start riding they're doing bmx they're doing stuff so that's they get all this flat pedal experience so if you can't do stuff flat on flat pedals it's worth going back maybe that's what you do all winter mm-hmm. right winter bike fat bike learn how to do all this stuff yeah one other thing is there is the skill component and sometimes we just try and do too much too soon. So if your falls are really bad, getting instruction, which I'm biased, I guess, but step back. Like there's always something easier. There doesn't need to be such a high consequence. So if you're doing a jump, there's always a smaller jump, right? If there's a big gap, there's always grassy field with two sticks on the ground to practice that gap. Right. Skinnies, there's always the board on the ground, right? Yeah. Uh, so my two considerations, and I'm biased, uh, the first one being uh, any yoga or mobility. Like the more flexible you are off the bike, the easier it's going to be when you fall because you are you can just handle it more. Like if you've never gone into, you know, a cobra in yoga, like where your, your back is arched and stuff. I actually saw a good meme related to this where someone was like i do all my yoga on the bike and they were doing like a scorpion endo yeah exactly yeah. like if you've never done the scorpion pose when you do the scorpion when you endo it's probably, probably something more. to that yeah yes. uh, like Th- thank you for your but like anything there's probably like too far right yeah because yeah, if you're course. like too much of a bendy person you maybe don't develop tension going but- to argue if you're a cyclist you are probably not a super bendy person could be yeah like very few people have the problem of too much flexibility after the age of, say, 30. Mm, yeah, I, I'll go with you just because there, there's mat time. I'll give it to you for sure. And I think, again, the wrists, common thing, right? So wrist mobility is a big part of yoga. Mm-hmm. Some sort of movement practice where you're touching the ground, sitting on the ground. Exactly. There was a second point. Which second yoga, point. Yoga. 
is actually just how you how you set up so your your gear for for crashing or falling um mainly that is to say don't put your phone in your side pocket on your jersey don't put your um bike pump or your multi-tool in your side pocket put them in your middle pocket that way when you fall you're not immediately thinking oh crap i landed on my phone unless you've managed to fall on your back which doesn't happen that often in cycling normally you're going to hit a side before you hit the small of your back um so not having people get injured this way a lot yeah yeah or you panic that your phone is going to break so you like automatically go to like save it this is like a focus refocus you need to focus on the thing that matters yeah also though i have actually read a couple of like horror stories and i don't think it's a necessarily a big deal but like people getting injured because their keys or their phone or their pump or multi-tool like jams into them when they fall because it like that's right. what they hit so if you put that in a pocket that is not likely to actually hit yeah then you're gonna it's feel a tough better. thing if you're filling all the pockets the other i think you can put most of your hard stuff in your back like your middle pocket and you're gonna be fine hmm. um and then my other consideration is just wearing sleeves like a lot of people who ride bikes in the summer in particular wear short sleeves Peter has gotten me on the in the habit of wearing sun sleeves and I just tend to wear long sleeves most of the time because I prefer it. I don't like having the cyclist tan lines. Yeah. Um, but that way, you know, when you fall, you're going to have less cuts and scrapes to deal with. And if you know you're, you're falling a lot, you're going to feel a little bit more confident if you're wearing long sleeves, if you're wearing gloves. Gloves are a big one for sure. You know, even even knee warmers, like any of those things that are going to just make you feel a little more armored without actually you know, putting on straight up body armor, um, I think just gives you a little bit more confidence and, you know, you get in a little less trouble when you don't come home bleeding everywhere all the time. Yeah. The sun sleeves are definitely, like I started wearing them because of uh, raspberry canes, but they definitely are, are uh, there's more than once I've drilled elbows and cut myself and at very least it contains the blood a little bit. The, there is a, a company, I think it's G1, and there's a few different that make, essentially they're like a, a knee warmer, a leg warmer, a, a, even they make a hip one actually too, but they make all these pads that are pretty small, so you could ride more cross country, um, but if there was a ride that was higher risk, you could certainly put these on, especially for knees, right? If you're a person that just hits knees a lot, mm-hmm. you might just, you might have to wear these things on those higher risk rides. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's all about risk management, right? So there's don't look before you leap and keep the progression going. There's the mitigation once it happens. That's your fump, your falling, your tumbling, but then also your equipment. Um, so there's sort of this multi-pronged approach. Yeah. Okay. There you go. How to fall better. Awesome. All right. Well, as always, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have more questions, you can hit us up over on consummateathletepodcast.com. Or is it just consummateathlete.com? Did I just lie? Yeah, there's no podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. Consummateathlete.com. Uh, there's a contact form over there. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at Molly J. Herford. Peter is at Peter Glassford. And if you enjoy these episodes, do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating or review or both on iTunes. It's super helpful in the rankings. Um, you know, we we love putting out this show, but the ratings and reviews and stuff really help us get more big guests on and you know, get us out to more listeners, which is always awesome. So thank you for your support and we will see you next time. 